We would like to thank our sponsor, Island Savings. Island Savings, a division of member-owned cooperative First West Credit Union, provides banking, borrowing, and investment services for residents and businesses across Vancouver Island and the Southern Gulf Islands. Island Savings brings innovative products, an extensive branch network, and local decision-making to the banking experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Business Matters presented by Island Savings, a division of First Rest Credit Union, where we delve into the stories and insights uh, of leaders and change makers in our community. I'm your host, Rob Capello, and today we're joined by Peter Sinclair. Peter, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. No problem. So Peter is the executive director of the Loaves and Fishes Community Food Bank, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about sort of your journey today um, on, you know, where you started and where you are today with the food bank and, and all the amazing work that you guys do there as well. So I kind of want to start, maybe go back a little bit about, um, uh, let's let's start with foundationally, how long have you been with the food bank? I think you've been there for a while. So how long have you actually been uh, in a role at the, the food bank? Uh, I first started as a volunteer here uh, back in 2000 and okay. then volunteered off and on you know, as I was in Imo uh, through till uh, 2011, uh, when I was hired as the executive director. So I've been in my current position since then. So what what originally inspired you to volunteer? Like, where did that that sort of passion from to say, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to go volunteer at the, at the food bank? Well, I've I've certainly had a very uh, good upbringing um, was blessed and entrusted uh, with a great deal. Mm. Uh, and I was raised um, to see all of these blessings as actually a responsibility right. that need to be used for the benefit of others and specifically the benefit um, of the community. And so uh, I believe that, you know, when we are given much, much is expected of us. And that's not just the, the financial and material things um, that, that we're given. Um, it's, it's our intellect and our skills and, and our abilities. Uh, and so uh, I love my work because I get to take uh, that diverse skill set, the diverse set of experiences that I've had and uh, apply it uh, for the benefit of others. So. I feel very, very fortunate to be able to do this work that I do. That's amazing. That's a great story. So you 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 were volunteering for a while. How did that transition become to the executive director? Did you have experience doing in those roles before? Like, how did that come about that you you went from volunteer to executive director? Uh, so a, a bit of a long winding story. <laughs> uh, my education, I have a Bachelor of Commerce in Entrepreneurship. Uh, from the University of Victoria. And then I have a Master of Divinity from Regent College in Vancouver. Um, professionally, prior to working here at Loaves and Fishes, I worked in the sport fishing industry, uh, specifically in Haida Gwaii. Okay. Uh, I worked not only at a resort up there, but also in the head office of that resort in Vancouver. That uh, job got me connected with uh, St. Jean's Cannery uh, here in Nanaimo, and I took a job at St. Jean's Cannery coordinating uh, their shipping or receiving and their shipping of fish from all over the coast 
uh, out going all over the world and was very, very fortunate uh, to have worked at St. Jean's Cannery and learned a lot of sort of warehousing and logistical uh, skills. And then also uh, was able to see how a really innovative and entrepreneurial uh, company could adapt and, and be nimble uh, and continue to thrive uh, when every other cannery on the coast uh, closed down. And so from that broad educational experience and you know, uh, seemingly unrelated uh, experience in the sport fishing industry and you know, in the uh, food processing industry, um, I came into my role here uh, at Loaves and Fishes. And um, you know, those experiences working in Haida Gwaii and working in Vancouver and then working in the uh, St. Jean's uh, plant here in Nanaimo um, set me up uh, to, to really uh, thrive here at Loaves and Fishes. That's amazing. What a great story. So it, they're all connected in one way. So I'm curious, yeah. what is, for people don't know, what, what is the role of executive director? Like what's your day-to-day, what's your function? What, you know, I, I assume you wear many hats, but what, what sort of, uh, you know, what's your day-to-day role look like? Uh, so my, my, broadly speaking, I report to the board. The board has one employee, that's me. Okay. And I'm responsible for, ensuring that the board's strategic direction uh, is achieved. So they have their broad strategic direction. I transform that into individual goals uh, that we are going to strive uh, towards. Now, if we're going to get more specific, because that's actually really general, I could be anyone, (laughs) anything, right? Um, My day-to-day activities uh, really focus on operations, Uh, I approach the work of loaves and fishes uh, in terms of looking at the logistics and operations of a food bank. And so that's a different approach than most people will come at a food bank because it'll it'll be from sort of a social services connecting with people and, and serving people. And I certainly want to serve people, but I can see that the way we can have the broadest impact is when we get our logistics um, efficient and effective. So a lot of my day is actually spent, you know, checking in with our managers and directors and and encouraging them and and pushing them and helping them achieve operational uh, efficiency. So that means, you know, sometimes uh, I'm I'm over in our warehouse. Right. Uh, it means that. I'm also at our uh, Empties for Food site. We have a very successful fundraiser, Empties for Food, uh, and there's a lot of logistics uh, with that piece. Um, just yesterday, I was up in Fort Hardy. We, we have a facility um, up there. Uh, we had three different uh, hamper programs uh, happening yesterday on the North Island, uh, two locations in Fort Hardy, and then we were also doing uh, hamper distribution out in Fort Alice. Yeah. So, I was up there overseeing one piece of those uh, those three, um, and so I'm checking in and I'm I'm seeing how things are going. Uh, I'm having you know meetings with with people. Uh, this morning I, I met briefly with our volunteer manager. Uh, later on today I'm going to be uh, in our warehouse meeting with our our local MP as she's here to to volunteer. So my my job is 
is all over the place. Um, I do everything from, uh, you know, check presentations to swinging a hammer and, yeah. you know, stalling, you know, new lights, right. uh, <laughs> whatever needs to be done to, to putting out a fire, to hopping in the truck and you know, <laughs> going and pick up some food. So, um, but that, that's what I love. My, my days are, are totally diverse, uh, and okay. lots of different things happen. So you mentioned different locations. I'm curious, like how far reaching is the food bank then? Like how do you, do you cover the entire Island? Like how, how far do you go? Yeah. So we, uh, provide food bank services across Vancouver Island. Uh, and there's two broad categories of our services. Uh, the one in, that people first think of are our free food markets. So these are the um, markets that we set up where people can actually access food. So someone's in need, they need food, they can come to a Loaves and Fishes uh, market. So we have a number of those throughout Nanaimo that run seven days a week. We also have uh, them up in Port Hardy. And then we also... Uh, get them out in Was, uh, Swantula, and Port Alice. So that is one component, uh, the free food markets uh, that, that we put out. The other component of how we get food out to the community is our support to uh, other agencies. And so we provide food to over 100 other nonprofits and Indigenous communities on Vancouver Island, actually beyond Vancouver Island, because we've got food up to places like Rivers Inlet, uh, we get food over to Powell River, wow. um, you know, to, to the Gulf Islands. And so the idea is, as we've built the infrastructure to access the volumes of food that are out there, and then to sort that food, we then have to actually get it out. And yeah. so we really believe that we have a critical role to play in that, because a lot of that infrastructure needs to be done at scale. And so there's no sense in having all of these smaller food players kind of recreating these small systems. You need to have that centralized because you will gain efficiency in doing that. And so by partnering with these other agencies, they can be the group that is front facing in the community, distributing the food, you know, whether it be through a soup kitchen or another food bank or you know, a school meal program, they're providing that interface with the community. But on the back end, like the sourcing and the logistics of food, we look after that. So if you look, well, well take for example, right now we're coordinating the delivery of 26 pallets of ice cream. There, there are a lot of details yeah. on that. You know, when's it going to arrive? The donor, what do they require in terms of social media acknowledgement right. um, of it? Or maybe they don't want any, you know, for what yeah. it, so yeah. we work out all of those details and then we have to get it out. So if there is, uh, let, let's say there is a, a school counseling program yeah. that wants to do ice cream for high school kids, right? They see we have the ice cream available. And so they like, we need a lot of ice cream. We need 16 liters on Friday. Well, we hear 16 liters and we're like, oh man, we need you to take like 16 pallets of it. No, we, we don't yeah. say that. <laughs> We've got to go from 26 pallets right. down to the 16 liters that you need. And right. we need to do that seamlessly. Right. And so you have a, a counselor or a teacher who's ever overseeing yeah. that program that just like, this is amazing. We got free ice cream from the food bank and they're distributing it out 
to the yeah. kids and it's it's awesome right. um but there was a whole bunch of work that happened yeah. in the back end and then we have to repeat that at scale in real time so yeah. that that ice cream isn't sitting you know in our freezers for months on end like we've got to get that out because you know the next donation of you know ready to bake lasagnas or <laughs> uh popsicles or you know apples or what whatever it may be it's it's just constantly um coming in so there that i mean that the, the two ways we get food out through our network of free food markets and then support of other agencies that's interesting how much like it, it's interesting you you brought us in behind the scenes a little bit because you don't see sort of the logistic side of it that that you need to deal with and it's interesting i've heard that loud and clear in the sense of there's so much before it ends up somewhere, all the work that needs to get into it before. And that's, that's interesting. So on that, I'm curious, like it got me thinking, like, what are some of the, what are the challenges you've been, you've been facing or still facing right now when it comes to leading the food bank? Like what, like I never even think about you get into this role and there's a logistics, I don't say issue, opportunity, problem that you need to solve, but what other things maybe that the public is maybe not aware of, we don't see it from, from the outside that, that, you know, that you've been facing. And we all know the pandemic, I get that. Like, I think, yeah. that, but what other areas are you most challenged with right now? Do you feel? I, I, I think our single biggest challenge is uh, bringing others along mm. to understand what, we are doing because mm. we as an organization see a huge opportunity right there is an abundance of food out there right and we believe that we have the logistical capability to get that food out right but what it requires is other players to change the way that they operate mm. and we recognize that's that's not easy no you know the, the way we are approaching um food banking is disruptive right. and we need we need our other partners and we want to change and adapt to work with them but we also want to help them through what they need to do and how they need to change and 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 that's really hard. And it's the, the, the challenge for us is we see the potential. Right. And it's, it's how do you bring these, these others, these others on side? I mean, I, I, I often joke, I, I said, I, I wish we were a business and we could just buy these Bye. opportunities. Like you, you could buy a struggling business and you go to a business that's struggling and say, Hey, we'll, we'll buy you for $300,000 or $2 million or whatever it is. And then you streamline and everyone's like, wow, look at that. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> you can't do that in the, the nonprofit world. Right. You need to work alongside and help implement that, that change. Um, and I guess I, I'd sum it up by saying we can see something very clearly Right. And we need to figure out the systems to help others see what we're seeing. Interesting. Um, because when they see it, they're just like, they're wow, mindful. like I had they, yeah. like, and, and we've got examples where, you know, we, we've been able to do that with, with other agencies. I mean, probably the, the biggest example of that are our operations up in Port Hardy. I mean, we started providing food bank services in Port Hardy back in 2019 right. and in uh, the, just back in this summer of 2023, 
the Port Hardy Harvest Food Bank provided all of their resources, which included a building, uh, two vehicles, um, all the cash that was in their bank accounts, uh, all their volunteers, everything that they, they were like, we can see that our organization and our service to the community will be better mm. if you guys are running this. And that like, so I, I say that that happened in, you know, the summer that's officially legally when that all took place, right. that was right. years in the making, you know, that wasn't just a, you know, you pick up the phone and do yeah. it like, they they were facing some real challenges and they saw that what we brought to the table addressed those challenges and then produced better service in the community. It took what they were doing really well. It took what we were doing really well, put them together. And then suddenly it's like, wow, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. one plus one is equaling three here. Yeah. Um, so, and, and we've, I mean, we've got countless other stories. I mean, we're, we're sending food out to places like Zabalas and, and Tassus and, and Gold River and, you know, how we're partnering, you know, with groups like, you know, say the Society of St. Vincent de Paul to get food out into those communities. I mean, it's, it's looking like, how can we fit these pieces together in a way that takes what they're really good at, what we're really good at yeah, yeah. and, and, and doing more with it. Amazing. So can you speak a little bit about, cause I know you have numerous programs as well, but about the food recovery program, can you kind of mm. let the audience know what that is, how that works, how it benefits community environment and all that. Can you, can you expand on that? Yeah. So uh, the, our food recovery program is the single biggest driver of our success. And through our food recovery program, we have discovered that food banking is actually about abundance. I mean, for too long, the, the food banking sector is defined by scarcity. Right. There's not enough. There's not enough. Give us more money. Right. There's all these hungry people. I mean, we've heard that narrative over and over again. And that's not to say that it's not true. Like, yes, right. there, there is a very serious problem here. Sure. But there is a huge opportunity out there with food waste. And so our food recovery program specifically targets that opportunity. And that program started back in 2012 and credit where credit is due. We uh, learned our food recovery program from the Kamloops Food Bank. We saw what they were doing there and like, we're gonna implement that system here. And what it boils down to is you want to make it easier for a grocery store to give food to you, then throw it out. Right. So it just has to be easier. And so the way we do that is we provide grocery retailers with seven day a week pickup of everything they are throwing out. No questions asked. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care if it's damaged, it's rotten. If it's perfect, I don't care if it's 50 skids. I don't care what it is. If it's food, we take it. Because the grocery retailer, they have a problem. This right. food is sitting there and they need it gone because there's more food coming in. The customers didn't buy it or maybe someone made an order or a mistake, whatever. They have a logistical problem. And we come in and we solve that problem for them. Now, we started that program with one grocery store in 2012. And then we consistently grew it and scaled it up. So we started with a grocery store that was three blocks from our warehouse. Hmm. We're now up th over 35 stores as far south as Chimanus. Uh, We go up to Parksville, Port Alberni. We're up to, even to the Comox Valley. 
our operations in Port Hardy, they provide uh, seven day a week food recovery up there uh, on, on the North Island. But it is all based on this premise that it needs to be easier to give the food to us than throw it out. Um, and so we've, we've worked really hard at that. And there are a lot of logistical challenges uh, to make that happen. The, the sorts of volumes of food that, that we're dealing with, like I'm looking, I'm just looking at some stats here, like up until the end of October, we have over 3 million pounds of food coming in. And if I look here, so many, yeah, and about a third of that, so over a million pounds up to October was food that was not suitable for human consumption. Mm. So how you deal with that, right? right? Like that, like that, that is a logistical challenge, right? Absolutely. Like that kind of volume. It's not like, oh, well, I've got, you know, four banana boxes yeah, yeah. full of bad lettuce. What am I going to do? Like mm. it, we're operating at scale here. And so the yeah. sorts of solutions you have to have in place to deal with that, um, you know, take, you got to really pay attention. You got to be sharp with that because if, if you're not, it'll, it'll sink your program and, and it, it won't work. Um, but we've managed to, to get that sorted out. But even when I say sorted out, I, I, we don't think of it, oh, it's sorted out, it's fixed. Like we're always hungry and eager yeah. to get more efficient, figure this out. I mean, we, I was talking to our director of operations yesterday and he, he just, he had an idea that he's like, I think we can cut out one trip to the North Island a month um, and not drop the service to, to our clients. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's good. That saves yeah. us $3,000 every month. You yeah. can do that. And the service didn't drop. Right. So then you multiply that out by 12. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it's like, oh my gosh. Like, but, but so we can't just always be patting ourselves on the back and going, hey, aren't we awesome? This is, you know, we're doing this great work. It's like, we've got to be hungry to always look for where the, more of these efficiencies. How can we get better? How can we provide better service? Because ultimately, and this is a fundamental thing that I believe, I really do not like the word nonprofit. Mm. We are insanely profit-driven here. Mm. Like we are so hungry for profit because when we make a profit, that profit goes to the most vulnerable people right. in our community. Right. That's where the payout happens. Yeah. And so when we have a super successful year and you know, there's millions of dollars worth of food, that went out when in the past there was hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of food going out, right. that's profit to people that need our service. And so we, we've, we've got to be profit driven because when we're profit driven, we're the blessing to these people uh, that we're called to be. And what a different way to look at it, right? Like that. And like you're saying, you're being disruptive and that's a great way to look at it. If you run it like a for profit because the dollars are going back into the people that need it most after, right? So that I'm curious yes. what you're saying, like there's so many different angles and programs and drivers, like how big of a team do you have? Like, and, and can you speak about sort of the volunteer portion of it as well? Cause I'm yeah. assuming it's a big, uh, so I, I'm sure you have paid staff, but you also have a volunteer yeah. for that help as well. Yeah, so volunteers are critical uh, to, to what we do. Um, at any given month, we have over 200 volunteers that are helping, but that grows in December. I believe it's over 500 different people help out uh, in December. Right. Now, those volunteers, 
they are only able to be efficient and work hard when you have a good network of staff that coordinate right, all right. of that stuff. So we want to make sure that the staff are providing the infrastructure that when someone shows up for their shift at say 9am, yeah. there is something there for them to do right. and they can be put to work. And that piece that that volunteer does for an hour and a half, they do it. And then the next volunteer that shows up at say 1030, they're just seamlessly picking up from where yeah. that one. And that's happening, not just at the local level in the warehouse, that's then, you know, the volunteer that, you know, works on say, you know, Tuesday night in the warehouse is prepping food that on Wednesday morning is getting shipped up to Port Hardy that is then received by the volunteer there that then goes out. So, so there's just all of these, yeah. these pieces um, to, to making sure that it works, but the volunteers are, are absolutely critical. Um, but again, we're always looking for, for efficiencies. Um, I was speaking with, with our volunteer manager uh, a couple of weeks ago and she had implemented a system that, I mean, this, this is crazy, these kind of results. Last year, over a six-week period, I believe it was through November, there were, uh, there were about 4,000 volunteer hours uh, that had been fulfilled. Mm. And she had a figure for how many hours of staff time it took to, to put, put in. She had reduced the staff time by like 30% and then increased the number of volunteer hours from 4,000 to 5,000. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing, <laughs> right? Like, we're getting way more done yeah, with yeah. less effort. And, and so we're always looking for how can we take this volunteer resource that we have and how can we leverage it? Yeah. Like how can we get deploy it in service of the community, right. because when we deploy that well, that just means there's more profit. And that more profit is more food for people in need. Um, so yeah, anyways, to circle back, that's great. Volunteers are, are, are critical, uh, but those volunteers work in tandem uh, with, with the staff team. So we're, we're obviously in the middle of, I know it's probably busy time of the year for you guys, but what, in, in the new year, what's, what are, what's upcoming? What are some events that public should be aware of? How, how can they support? Like, what are some things that are, maybe you can highlight for Q1, Q2 of, uh, of 2024? Well, the, the, the big uh, thing that we're really working hard on now is uh, our new warehouse. So we're in the process of uh, building a 25,000 square foot warehouse. Our current facility is 6,000 square feet. Uh, we have a development permit issued for that building. We've right. just submitted uh, our building permit right. and we anticipate getting the building permit sort of nine to 12 months from now. And we want to be able to put shovels in the ground as soon as we get that, that building permit. Now, to make that happen, we need to have the money in place. Uh, so we've been very fortunate. Uh, the city of Nanaimo uh, has contributed the equivalent of $1.4 million uh, to this project by providing the land uh, to us through a 30-year lease for $10. The regional district of Nanaimo has provided $300,000 towards the design and development of this. And the provincial government has provided uh, $7 million to go towards the construction. And we're working with the federal government to provide the remaining funding that we need for this. Uh, and so 
we really need uh, the, the the federal government to come along and make sure that that this project um, happens because yeah. there's a lot of momentum. Uh, but we we yeah. need the, the public encouraging uh, you know their their local MPs here on Vancouver Island um, to say, hey, this this is a project that we want to see happen. Um, because it's going to provide benefit uh, across the island to the most vulnerable people. So that's probably the the single biggest thing that that is is on uh, my plate. Okay. Um, we're sort of uh, I don't want to say smaller things, but more day to day stuff. Um, I'm working with our management team right now to come up with what we call rocks. These are the big goals that we want to achieve each each quarter um, to move things ahead. Uh, and we're wanting to open more of uh, our free food markets in other communities um, uh, across Vancouver Island. Now we have to be strategic on where we do that and when we do that, just as it ties in with our logistics. Um, but we realize that we have a system there that really provides great service to people. And so we want to see that uh, in, in more communities. So we're going to be working uh, to do that too. Amazing. Well, Peter, thank you so much for spending some time today. I think just no. giving us a really good insight into what, like I said, the public doesn't hear and see. And I think just the amount of coordination or logistics that goes into what you guys do is, again, opened my eyes this morning. So thank you right. for sharing about your journey and impactful work you guys are doing in the community. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thanks for the opportunity and uh, good to meet you and talk with you. Yeah, it's been great. And if, if everyone, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends. And for any feedback, please reach out to us. Uh, until next time, thank you for tuning into Business Matters and have a great day. We would like to thank our sponsor, Island Savings. Island Savings, a division of member-owned cooperative First West Credit Union, provides banking, borrowing, and investment services for residents and businesses across Vancouver Island and the Southern Gulf Islands. Island Savings brings innovative products, an extensive branch network, and local decision-making to the banking experience.